Everything hold that he has had is going to be gone tonight. So I'm wearing my boots. I want to thank you for this opportunity to, to be able to speak, to be able to preach to, to those. These are the, the chosen ones right here. These are the dedicated ones. You know, so, so I'm, I'm thankful for each and every one of you that are here, and I thank you for the opportunity to let me, let me uh, speak. Pastor Nick gave my whole message, so I don't know what I'm going to say anymore tonight. But uh, I'm only kidding, only kidding. I got a phone call today from a friend of mine. And he said, Don, he's, i got to tell you this story about this lady. He says, she's married four times. He said the first husband that she had was a billionaire. He was oozing money. But he didn't last very long. He keeled over pretty quick. So she got married again. The second husband that she married owned a circus. He didn't last very long. The third husband that she married was a preacher. And he didn't last very long. And I'm thinking, wow, this lady's pretty dangerous. <laughs> so she was getting ready to get married to the fourth husband. And he was an undertaker. And my friend asked this lady, she says, he says, you have had four husbands. And why did they come from such diverse backgrounds Why, what, you know, what, what, what's with all that and she says well one for the money two for the show three to get ready four to go <laughs> so I had to use that one I liked it it's an old one but I saw it again today so tonight is, is not a preaching it's a teaching this is something that um I learned a number of years ago. Some of you probably know about it. Some of this could be very new. But when I was taught this and when I heard this and, and dug into it, Carol and I have had the opportunity to, to teach on this at times. And it, it literally rocked my world. It changed my life. You know, we're, we're changed when we're born again and we accept Jesus. We're changed in different phases in our life, as, in our walk with the Lord. But this changed my life and brought some some understanding of what's going on in the world. How, how do we operate in this world? What are we to do? Are we to get up every Sunday, go to church, and then go on out and act like the rest of the world? How do, how do we do this? Where do we fit? I always ask the question, where do I fit, Lord? I know I, I want to do certain things for you, but where do I fit? And so tonight, I want to talk about the seven mountains of culture. We live in a world, this whole world, has different cultures in it. And the seven mountains of culture are what we all operate in each and every day. Where we go to work. What we do. How society works. And the seven mountains of culture also have a very big impact on our, on our world. Who's operating in the seven mountains of culture? Who's up at the top? I just want to tell you right now that the way this world is set up is Jesus, not Jesus, but God is up on the top of the mountains. Everything flows down from him. He's the king of the hill. In every, let's, let's talk about seven mountains tonight. So what I want to say is I never got a grasp on what I wanted, you know, where, I, where I fit in, until I was led and taught about the seven mountains of culture or, or influence. So then you say, what do, what do I mean about the seven mounts of culture? This is a maybe new terminology, new phrases. I don't understand this. In the Bible, mountains mean, they usually represent the authority of kingdoms. We live under the king of kings. We live under God. We live under the kingdoms. That's what these cultures are. Kingdoms of God. The elements of the culture that make up Every nation can be described as the seven mountains of culture. Every born-again believer is called to a place of influence in at least one of the seven nations of the culture. And God's plan from the beginning 
of time was for the righteous to impact the culture, not for the culture to impact the church. We're supposed to be impacting what's going on. And in all truthfulness, throughout all the, it happens so slowly, and it also happens in cycles. The church has become very weak. We can go into churches that look just like anything else that we go into. Coffee shops, apparel shops, bookshops, all kinds of different things, even gymnasiums. Nothing wrong with any of them at all. But is that our focus? Are we blending in with the culture that so we can f- make everybody else around us feel comfortable when they're with us? Jesus didn't let anybody feel comfortable around him at all. At all. So we got to ask, you know what, are we blending in with this? Are we blending in with the culture in, in our everyday walk? Where we work, what we say, who our friends are? Are we blending in? Or are we mighty men and women of God? When the church loses its influence in the mountains of society, it fails to advance the kingdom of God. God wants it advanced. So you say, what are the seven mountains? Some people teach nine mountains, some five. It's all different numbers. The reason I've been taught the seven mountains and the reason I teach it is because when Caleb was entering into the promised land, God said, go and take the promised land and destroy the cultures before you, the heathen cultures. And wouldn't you know it, he said, go destroy the ites. If you go in the Bible and read that story, there were seven cultures, seven mountains of cultures. There were seven strongholds that the enemy had a foothold of. That's why the Israelites were so afraid to go on into the land. They saw this big, what they called giants. All it was was cultures of people that dominated so strong that they were afraid to go on in and take it for the Lord. So here's what the seven cultures are. There's no particular order. There's no particular importance on any of them. But I always want to start out with the family. We're all involved in the family culture. We all have a family good, bad, or ugly, but we all come from a family. We have a family. Another culture is the church, business, government, education, media, and arts and entertainment. And in each of these mountains, there are strongholds, strongholds that are held and very powerful by the forever loser, who I call He's Satan. He's the forever loser. I never ever refer to him as Satan or the devil. I always call him the forever loser. Just something that I do. <laughs> Makes me feel good. Makes me feel good. Also in the cultures, there's promises. They're the promises of God. God promised. He promised the Israelites when they went into the, the promised land. He had promises for them in all of those areas. So let's start with the family culture. Because it is. We're all involved in it. Each and every person that's in here is in the family culture. The first mountain is the cult by the family culture. By design of God, the family is the place where righteousness is taught, where character is developed. Kingdom destiny is discovered in our family. It all happens in there. The stronghold in the family mountain of culture is discouragement. We can get our biggest hurts. We can get most discouraged by our family members. Some of us can shrug it off and some of us just, it's always there. I have situations in my family that always, always come. They're always trying to discourage me. But that's what it is. But with God, all things are possible. The promise which comes from God is blessing. We are blessed by our family. We can be lifted up by our family. The love that we have for each other. When we see our children, we see our grandchildren, and and having them surround us, and being close with them, that's the blessings that God promises in our families. Then there's the church culture. 
The church was birthed by Jesus Christ and is ordained and anointed to equip humankind to experience and expand the kingdom of God on the earth. It's our job. Expand the kingdom of God here on this earth. All the other stuff is, is fluff. It's added stuff. The stronghold in the church is pride. Oh, how we can become so prideful. Our faith is better than yours. Those stinking old Baptists over there, what do they know? All these kinds of things can happen. So when we get titles, we can get prideful. When we get positions, we get prideful. It's in our human nature, but it needs to be broken, and we need to fight it all the time. But the, the stronghold that, that the forever loser has in our church is pride. But the promise from God, our almighty God that loves us so much, is strength. There's strength in our church. We are God's mighty army. We are equipped. We are ready to fight any battle. And with God, we can't lose. All we need to do is step out. So we have the strength like no other. You can have the greatest army in the world, and it's no match for God's army. Then there's a the business culture. The purpose for believers in the business is to advance the kingdom of God through displaying Christ-likeness, deploying godly influence, faithful and righteous stewardship of wealth. Because in business, wealth comes. If it's blessed by God, you're doing it right, the wealth is going to come. That's what businesses are all about. They're built with the intent to make a profit. You don't want them failing. The stronghold in business is the good old word greed. As wealth comes through business, you get greedy. I remember a story about the, one of the richest men in the world, billions and billions and billions of dollars, and a, a news reporter asked him, well, when is, when is enough? When are you going to say you have enough? He says, when there are no more dollars. He's greedy. He wanted everything. We see this greed turns into, in a sense, a power struggle by some of these young guys that have become wealthy so fast that now they think that they're smarter than everybody else and they can, in a sense, push their way around. The promises in the business culture is riches. God promises you riches as you perform your business in like Christ-like manners. You are going to have those riches. But those riches aren't for you. God gives you enough for you and your family. Maybe a little play, play money and pocket money also. But he wants you to take the rest of that money that he is giving you. He is blessing you into your business to use for other purposes, for furthering his kingdom. Then there's the government, our good old government. As we see today, it's kind of a wreck. We see that a lot of these cultures are kind of a wreck right now. But we'll see what happens. The concept and the creation of human government is from God. The success or failure of any form or level of government depends on a couple things. Personal character, wisdom, justice of those who are in leadership. What are these people like? We see good examples, we see bad examples. We see our country being divided because we are just getting into so many personalities rather than what the person is doing or where this person is coming from. The stronghold in the government is, can anybody guess it? Corruption. <laughs> Our governments become so corrupt. They really do. That's what the forever loser, his stronghold in the government is. The promises of God is honor. There is much honor as we serve in our governments. It's an honor to serve the people that have elected you because they believe in you to be able to follow through and, and fight for the things that we believe in. It's an honor to serve in the military and protect our country and our families. It's an honor to be a policeman. It's an honor to be a, a fireman. Anywhere in our government, wherever that, that might be, it's an honor to do it as we are doing it for God. Another one's education. Education is vitally important. 
The primary instrument of education are the family and the church. That's where a lot of the teaching gets done, in our family, in our church. The means and method of, of, and the mission of the educators determines these results. How are our teachers taught to teach? What are they learning? What is the curriculum? As we're seeing lately, it's kind of scary, you know? The forever loser in his stronghold in the culture of education is humanism. Philosophies of men keep creeping into our education system. Humanism comes on in rather than teaching biblical principles, rather than teaching what is right and wrong. And God's promise in the education system is wisdom. As we get educated, we become wise. Wisdom is knowing the truth and applying it to all situations. As we gain that, that's the, the promise that God has for us. Arts and entertainment, our singers, our musicians, our actors, all of that. The arts and entertainments belong to God. Creativity and giftedness come from God. We're on the verge of a moderately modern-day renaissance birthed out of a new never say that word apostolic reformation in the church. We're going to be seeing new sounds or hearing new sounds coming out from our musicians, from our singers, from the people that put these things together. New sounds are going to be coming out. This is coming from God. This isn't anything that they're thinking up. God is downloading it into them. We're going to be seeing that. Creative and artistic power of God's kingdom. Waving flags. Writing poetry. Art. Dance. All come from God to worship him, to praise him, to lift him up. And the last one is the good old media. We know all about that right now. Communication is power. The mountains of media is the voice of the culture. So very prevalent. To change a culture, the influence of media must be transformed. Good or bad. From good to bad, bad to good, good, however you want to work it, depending on where are we in our, in our life, where are we in this, this kingdom process that we are in. The stronghold is fear. Fear is that great stronghold from the media. How much fear have the people been put under in the last two years with the slanted and unbiased media? They're using fear to get things done. But the promise from God is power. There's power in the words. There's power in getting the right information out to the people. So those are the seven mountains and what they, what, what, how they're set up in the strongholds and the promises. God chooses and anoints and gifts people for all the seven mountains of culture. Let me tell you this. You are called of God. He needs you. He needs you in these mountains of culture. Sometimes we never even thought about that, that I'm doing this for the kingdom. I'm just going to work. I'm just getting elected. I'm just whatever it may be, doing my dance, doing my music for myself. But God needs us in all of this. God has called his people to climb to the positions of influence in these mountains and to restore the kingdom of God to our society. I want to give a couple examples of, of how we can operate just in, in a couple, couple of the mountains here. I had a friend that, he's in Phoenix, he's an auto mechanic, and he had a great business working out of his, out of, literally out of his backyard. He had a large yard, but he worked out of his yard. He had a great big huge garage back there and he employed many people. He's a great businessman and a great evangelist. In fact, I'll I'll give you a little side story about him. He's a great evangelist, and one day he calls me up, and he says, Don, I could just hear some excitement in his voice. And I'm thinking, what's, what's going on with him? He says, Don, I'm in jail. <laughs> and I'm going, you need some help? Do you need me to bail you out? Do you need me to come and get you? What did you, you do? He says, oh, man, it's so cool. It's so cool. He thought, oh, man, you know, and he's got tattoos, and he, he looks the part. He's a tough guy. Got some rough edges. But he loves the Lord, and he's not afraid to tell those that, 
that we think that we don't want to talk to about the Lord. And he says, no, 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 it's great. He says, I got about half the guys in my cell saved already. He says, I got a captive audience. They're here. They're, they're, they, can't, they can't go away. I got half them saved. And he says, I don't want to leave until I can at least get the message to the other ones and at least give them a chance to understand God and know about him. And I, I says, wow, that, that's pretty cool. I says, how'd you get there? He says, well, he's a divorced guy. He has children from another marriage. And he lived in Phoenix. And he had to go down to Tucson to pick up his kids. And he was speeding. He got pulled over. And while he got pulled over, the police checked his record. And they found out that he was behind in the support payments. So, assumed the position, put the handcuffs on, and off to jail he went. And he got it all straightened out. He says, I'm so glad that this happened. First, I got, I got to preach God's message. And he says, finally, I got to straighten my life out and get this thing right with what I had to do and everything. But the excitement in this guy's life, I'll never forget that story. I'm thinking, wow, you know. <laughs> that's a, But the same man, he's, he, had, he got a new garage. He bought a, a place in town, a garage. And he's very clean and very neat. And the last time Carol and I were down there to visit him, we stopped in by Bill. I said, Bill, I want to see your new place. He says, yeah, come on down. He says, I can't wait to show it to you. And so went down there, pulled into the garage. And he's in a kind of a little rough neighborhood. But the place is spick and span. He's showing the glory of God and what he has there. He's not going to let the neighborhood dictate who he is and who God is. Walked through there and he's showing me the shop and he's showing me this and showing me all that stuff. And he says, but this is what I want to show you, Don. We went upstairs and there's this little room, old, but painted up nice, some chairs in it. And he says, you know what this is? I said, not really. He says, this is where I do men's ministry. We meet on a regular basis. We have Bible study. We get the guys together. I have my mechanics. Whoever wants to come, come on up. My customers, I invite them in, come on up. The neighborhood guys, come on up. And we get together and we talk about Jesus. We have a Bible study. And this guy is pure excitement. And I was watching him on Facebook. I follow him all the time to see what's happening with what's going on in his life, what's going on in his business, but most of all, what's going on in a Bible study. And today, tonight, they're having their Bible study. And, and he says, don't forget, guys, we're having a Bible study and that stuff. And one of his guys that's in the Bible study, he said, hey, can we have it at my house? He says, we're starting to get really crowded up there. He says, I got a lot more room at my place. Let's have it at my house and make sure you invite some more friends. It's growing. It's doing good. This is a businessman showing his employees, his, his, his uh, people that are coming in to have their cars fixed, his neighborhood, what it is to be a man of God, what it is to be a businessman. This is the things that God wants us to do in our cultures. This is just one little example of, of how we can do this in all areas of culture, whether we're a teacher, whether we're a politician, whatever it may be, how we can show the glory of God unashamedly. The next story I want to tell you about is we were involved in a church down in Phoenix. And this pastor, he, he came to us and he says, get ready, guys. He says, I'm kicking the doors open. Every person of every walk of life, we are welcoming in here. We are going to welcome them. We are not going to shun them. We're not going to talk bad about them. We are going to welcome them like Jesus would welcome them. And we did. It was amazing what, what transpired. No, we would never let some non-Christian values invade us. But we wanted them in. Our pastor wanted them in to hear the word of God, to see the love of God, to know the love of God, to experience the love of God. And what he also did is he had this, this thing that he always wanted to do. He always invited the politicians to come on in. And people would go, oh, man, so-and-so's going to be there today. Or you walk on in and so-and-so's there, you know. And we get so caught up in our political world and our identities and who's who and what's what and if he's a bum and she's no good and he's great and all this other stuff. But he would invite them. He would bring them up into the front row so everybody could see them. Also, so if they left, everybody could see them leave if he left early. He would have them come up. He would honor them. He would invite them up to the platform, and they would say, you got like two minutes 
Tell us who you are. Tell us what office you have, what you're running for, and what you stand for, and then, then leave. He wasn't going to let it get into a big political conversation, but he got them up. And they, were, they thought they were coming for, hey, I can, I can, people can see me. Look at it, i got a big crowd. This church had thousands in it. I could, I could touch so many people by going there. But our pastor was devious. He, want, he wanted them in the church. He wanted them to hear God's word. He wanted to see how Christians act. He wanted them to find out and know who Jesus was. Every, he didn't care who the politician was. He treated them all exactly the same. He would bring them up to the platform, and he would also call them up at the end of the service. Up on the platform, he would pray with them. He'd have a staff come around them and surround them in prayer. He would speak prophetic words over them and let them leave with the love of God. He, they, he had politicians thinking they were going to come on in and give their spiel, and some of them get touched by God. And that's what this is all about, inviting people into our cultures to, to hear the word of God. It's what the, building God's kingdom is all about. So I want to go on from there. But I thought that was really impressive stuff that, that, that he did. So what is your mountain? We always ask, what, what is your mountain? Does anybody know what their mountain is? Anybody? Carol. Family and, Family and church. Anybody else? Know what your mountain is? How many of you have heard about the seven mountains or mountains of culture? Okay. Some, but most of us not. This, is, this isn't something new. There's other guys out, out there teaching it. If you uh, pay attention, you'll all start, sudden start hearing about the seven mountains of influence, seven mountains of culture. You'll hear it, seven mountains of kingdom or nine mountains, whatever it may be that they're teaching on. But, so we'll ask, what is, what is our mountain? The mountain of influence to which you are called is the place where you find the job you love, the people you enjoy being with, and ultimate personal fulfillment. Boy, does that sound like a dream, huh? Yeah. But I have to, I have to say, bef before I got involved in the church the way I have gotten involved in church, I used to be in the, in an industrial pipe fitter, journeyman industrial pipe fitter. I loved my job. At the end of the day, I could turn around and look and see how much pipe we put in or something that I fixed. I used my hands. I loved it. I was a heathen when I went into that, but I got born again in the middle of it. And I still love that job because I looked at it also. I can change some people's lives here just by the way I act, what I say, what I do, how I treat others, that I could do that in my mountain of culture. So we all can, all can do that. Here we go. Your position in your mountain and the one that God has prepared for you and the one for which you have been prepared is your sweet spot. You ever hear about a sweet spot on the baseball bat? Sweet spot in the tennis racket. It's your sweet spot. Your perfect fit. Not only is it God's place where you can most effectively bring to bear his presence and power to affect an area of culture, but it's also your place. It's a place that God has for you. Your sweet spot. So if you were a key, the position God called you to would be like a lock in which you would fit perfectly. Consider this the lock on the door of your destiny. Boy, if we can take what we have, take that key and go find that lock, that lock unlocks the door to our destiny. We all have destinies. I never knew what my destiny was. I always thought I was going to be just like all the other guys, a pipe fitter, married, go hunting, ride some motorcycles, be happy with my job. But I always thought, why am I here? I got more, more to do than just this. It's a sidetrack. So let's consider what life would be like if we found our perfect place. Finding your perfect place does not mean that your life will be perfect, free of problems and stress, or that you will never do anything else. Rather, it means that you will have discovered the great adventure for which you were created. 
Allow God, God to put within you a burning desire to know your place in the seven mountains of influence and reach it, reach for it, as he put within Caleb. Give me my mountain. Caleb cried out, give me my mountain, after he had to wander around for another 40 years. Let's read Joshua. Joshua 14, verse 12, or 6 through 12. Oh, happen to have it here. Amazing. It says in Joshua 14, starting at verse 6, When the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of, I'm not even going to try that word, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke, said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea, which also means camping on the wrong side of the Jordan. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought, brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made, made, who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while the Israel wandered in the wilderness... People wander when they don't have a purpose. Israel lost their purpose because they wouldn't go into the promised land. So they wandered. There's all kinds of theories of why they wandered. I'm going to stick with that one for now. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Remember this, for war both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you, for you heard in that day how the Anakin were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. A couple things. The vision you have for your future determines how you live today. The Israelites didn't have a future anymore. They just wandered. They had no purpose. They literally ended up dying off a whole generation except for Caleb and Joshua, maybe a couple others, because they, these guys kept their vision. As you see in here, Caleb never gave up on that vision. Give me my mountain. If I've got to walk around 40 years, I'll keep exercising. I'll be lifting dumbbells, barbells, whatever it might be, trees, rocks, whatever, but I'm, I want my mountain. And that's what we have to do. Also, when the kingdom, when kingdom purpose is in, your, in you, all things work together for you. Things start working for you when you put kingdom purpose first. All of a sudden doors start to open. Things start to happen. And Caleb, when he went into the promised land, he didn't destroy that city that was in front of him. He restored it for God. So he had God on his mind all the time. What is God's purpose in his life? What is God's purpose in our life? We've got to figure this out. God promises, God's promise of purpose was delayed 45 years for him. How many of us have been in delay? How many of us think, wow, is this ever going to work? I'm giving up on it. Maybe I missed this. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. How come this isn't happening for me? I met with a young man about a week ago and asked stuff, and this is what I'm hearing from him. He felt like, I should be further along. Why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening, you know? I'm t settle down. You're 30 years old. Not that 30 years old is wrong, but you've got a long life ahead of you. And God will get you in the place where you belong at the right time. 
Got that? There's a reason you're alive today, a reason that you have not lost your mind, a reason the devil could not kill you. We can think about these things. There's something God promised you. He spoke to you. He birthed it in you. Your purpose could have been forgotten. Or you may have given up on that dream that God gave for your purpose. Whether you have lost the vision of your kingdom mandate or never had it, seek him for it. And God will show you your purpose. The reason that why you are here. God will show it to you. Ask him. Maybe you lost it. Don't give up on it. Resurrect that. One thing for sure, the kingdom of God will be established. He can do it without you, but he'll go find somebody else. But it will be established. Wouldn't it be great if we could step into our purpose, fulfill that? My experience in life is once I gave everything to God, my life has never been better my life has never been more fulfilling. I wake up looking for, what can I do for you now, God? It just change, changes your whole life. It changes your whole atmosphere. So when believers discover their personal callings and invade their individual mounds, this is what they'll have. Uncommon favor. That's good stuff. Supernatural wisdom and understanding. Ta-da. Ding, 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 ding. Divine empowerment to transform the mountains. You'll be given this stuff by God to transform the mountain that, that you're going to be operating in. As God has said earlier in Isaiah 2, verses 2 and 3, In the last days, the Lord's house shall be established on the, mount, the top of the mountains. His kingdom will rule over all the kingdoms of the earth. So when a generation of believers understands its purpose, and the mission, and takes his place in the seven mountains, and through those mountains, influence the culture of the nations. One of the purposes of the church is to equip and train people to take their mountain for God. It's a season for the church to do its job, and for Christians to catch God's vision for the last day, and to receive an impartation of zeal to be about the Father's business. I'm not bashing the church or anything like that, but it's our job to equip people. My job right now tonight is to give you the information about the seven mountains, information about your purpose, to get excited about it, to know that it is there, that God is for you. He's not against you. He's your greatest cheerleader. And when they do, we will cry out to God, as Caleb did to Joshua, upon entering into the promised land, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. Whatever way you want to say it, give me my mountain. And you know what? He will. He will. He will. Favor is found where you need it, in your mountain. We look for favor. We look for openings. We look for why isn't this happening or anything. Because you're not operating in your mountain. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what God really wants you to do. Or you haven't prepared yourself enough in that mountain. You have to rise up in it. What the whole purpose of the seven mountains is, is God is up on the top. Figure seven mountain peaks. God is up on the top. On top of all of them. And we are to rise up and rule and reign with God in those mountains of culture to, to, to make this culture be kingdom-minded rather than to break the strongholds that are in there and get God's promises. That's what the seven mountains are literally all about. we got to rise up in those mountains, become people of influence. If we're a politician, be a, a, a politician of influence for God. We're a businessman. Be a, a, in a position of influence for God. Go down the whole line, whether you're a teacher, whatever it is, church, whatever, media. Boy, do we need the help there. That mountain could get blown up and start all over, but God's going to still be up on top of it. I'm going to get off on that one. I don't want to. Yeah. I knew I wore these boots.
Your favor is waiting for you in your mountain of destiny. Get in it. When the right per- this is cool. When the right person, that would be you, comes to the right place, that would be your mountain assignment. At the right time, God's timing, not ours, you will have a wild, crazy, extreme, extravagant favor from God when you're in there. I'll give you some examples of of favor. I'll give you some examples of wild, crazy, extreme, and extravagant favor. We'll use our own Pastor Jen. She told God, I want my mountain. I want my mountain of church. I don't want to be like anybody else. I want to accomplish what you want me to do. I want to work for your kingdom. She's been telling us this that for the last couple weeks. She says, Lord, I give you my family. I know that I can trust you with my family if I have to go away. I give you everything that I have, but I want to fulfill my kingdom purpose in the mountain of the church. So not too long after she did that, the phone rings. And she gets a call from Patricia King Ministries asking her to be a speaker at one of their women's conferences. Carol and I know Patricia King. She was on our staff in our church. She's a powerful woman of God. She has a huge ministry, huge prophetic ministry. She's, she's powerful. Now she's having a conference and they're calling up Pastor Jen. A two-year-old church, small building, smaller crowd, Hales Corners, Wisconsin, or Hales Corners, Wisconsin, however you want to say that. And she gets a call from Patricia King's Ministries. That's favor. That's favor. You can say, yeah, she knows Cindy Stewart. How do you think she got to know Cindy Stewart? Favor. Favor. So you can be hiding. You can be anywhere. But when you give your life and you, you reach out for God, he will give you the favor that you need. So when you're crying for it, make sure you're right. Another thing with Pastor Jen is this Pakistan. Again, two-year-old church, small, Hales Corners, Wisconsin. And this guy from Pakistan calls her up and says, I've been following you for a year and it's streaming. I like who you are. I like what you're saying. Will you please minister to my people? Will you please impart what you have into my people? They're, they're in another country. Maricopa Phoenix is 2,000 miles away. How does that happen? Think that she put out invitations? You think that she has a, her whole family making calls all over the United States? It's favor. It's total, total favor. These are perfect examples. We have it right in front of us, living right in front of us, preaching to us every Sunday, a person that's walking in the favor of God because she sold out into her mountain of culture. That's for you, Pastor Jen. So let's focus on where we are today. How did we get here? What is God up to in your life? How will he get you from where you are to the position that you were created for? We ask these questions. I'm going to ask them tonight. Hope I can answer them. Many Christians think that they should be further along in their paths to spiritual maturity. I hear from so many people, I got a little bit of age on me, and I, I love ministering to the young, especially to young couples, young men of God. But I hear from them all the time, why aren't things happening for me? I went to this Bible college I went to this ministry. I learned this. I learned that. Here I am. Use me. And they're wondering why this isn't happening. Settle down. Settle down. Here's why. Today you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So many of us think we're supposed to be somewhere else. 
searching for the big ministry, searching for our own, searching for other places. It's always greener on the other side. I've experienced this. I've lived this life. Settle down and relax. It'll come. Dig into God. Be sold out and wait for his favor to come. Regardless of what you may believe to be about your present circumstances, you are actually at a crossroad today, positioned at a jumping off point and perfectly poised for new beginnings. You're right there. Right there. We're always right there. What are you going to do with it? In fact, I believe it's no coincidence that you're hearing this message tonight, this very moment, at this very time, or that God has brought you this teaching to you during this season in your life. It's all orchestrated. You're here. Yeah, you're here for another message where you're getting this one tonight because this is the time. This is the time for some decisions. This is the time for some answers for you too. This is your opportunity to fulfill your reason for existence by entering into your God-given destiny. It's your opportunity. Let's grab it. Everyone wants to have a dynamic purpose for their life, but few want to make the journey that a heroic purpose requires. I'm not bragging. I'm not building myself up, but God gave myself and Carol and I a destiny. He gave us an assignment. He gave us a mountain to conquer and to be a part of. Carol and I had started in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We ended up moving to Elkhorn, Wisconsin to build our dream home. We attended a church in Beloit, Wisconsin. From Beloit, God called us after we were all settled in our dream home, ready to retire, had all of our ducks in a row, our 401 accounts, and all the other stuff that we do. And it was a stirring in our heart to move. We were crying out to God, we want our purpose. What is our destiny? We want to do more for you. We give everything to you, Lord. We stood in the middle of that lot and said, Lord, this place is yours. We get the privilege of being a caretaker in it and living in it. But anytime you want it, it's yours. And we will leave and go wherever you, you want. You know what? He took us up on it. He sent us down to Phoenix. I'm telling you the truth. We did not know a soul in Phoenix. We have never been or set foot in Phoenix. But God wanted us there. We knew it. We just didn't say, oh, let's go to Phoenix. You know, Maybe it's pretty cool down there and everything. We prayed. We prayed. We were on our face. Carol in one room. Me in another. Not for one day. For weeks. For months on end. Because we knew God was stirring in our heart. And we wanted all of him. We didn't want to play church. We didn't want to play anything. We wanted all of God. He gave it to us. He says, go to Phoenix. Okay, cool. How do we tell our family? How do we tell our pastor? A couple weeks later, our pastor made an announcement, and I was not close with him or anything like that. He made an announcement that he was giving the church to his son, and he was moving to Phoenix to start another one. Hello. Carol and I looked at each other and said, what? You know, how is this working? You know, so we, we said, we got to talk to you. And we told them what we've been going through and everything. And they says, yeah, let's ask for confirmation. Let's not announce it to anybody. Let's not make the decision, but let's listen for confirmation. People coming up to you saying, hey, there's a change in life. We see something going on. Or we feel that you're moving, whatever it may be. Confirmation in it. Before you go, before you do this, get confirmation. A very wise woman of God once said, and I, I stand by it all the time, do not make a major life-changing decision without being close to God. Don't do it. Don't just make a decision. If, you, if you're not close to God, you might be sorry. God will bail you out, but boy, it's going to be a rough road. All in all, we went down there, 
settled in, started a church, learned how to do ministry work, learned how to do counseling, learned how to pray, learned how to do all this other stuff, went to a large ministry and learned more and more and more. This is where I learned the seven mountains in that ministry. Happy. Our kids were down there. We had grandkids down there. Everything was cool. I, we were there for 15 years. Had no intentions of coming back. We had family here. We would come back for vacations. We were looking at the good old snowbird thing, be here in the summer, be down there in the winter. All of a sudden, this is how God works. My son-in-law down there, he lost his job. Couldn't find another one. On a whim, he started looking for jobs up here. They didn't want to live here. They liked Arizona. They couldn't find anything. He had to eat. He had to support his family. So he found a job up here. He says, what do you guys think about moving back to Milwaukee? You know? <laughs> and we didn't even hesitate. Cool, when are we going to go? Let's go. Now, for us, in one sense, our whole family was going to be together here in Milwaukee. But more than that, we knew that there was a stirring before this even happened. Carol and I talked. Something's not right here in Phoenix. Something's not right in, in this. Nothing, that, that was, nothing was wrong. God was making a change. God was making a move. I know you know exactly what that's all about. So we up and left. Here we are back in Phoenix, or back in, in Milwaukee. This isn't Phoenix, I know, I went outside. And I burned my feet. Here we are back in Milwaukee. My pastor saw me one day when, before we left, and he says, Don, you look like you're very concerned. I says, yeah. I says, I know. I said, we're going back, and I know we're supposed to go back. We're going back for our family, but I know that God has something for me. I said, but we've been to the churches in Milwaukee. There ain't nothing, no place that I want to be a part of. Sorry, I'm not, not degrading anything. There was just nothing that I, I, I felt called to. We fumbled around here for over three years, four years, trying to find a place to fit, trying to find a place where God wanted us, trying to find a place that we could be used. Not that we were anything special or anything else, but you know when you're in the right place. You just know it. Finally, thanks to COVID, Good old COVID. We got this. listen to Pastor Jen on, on live stream. And I says, we're going to go there the first day they open the door. You know, this is one of the first churches in the Milwaukee area that opened their door, and it's never, ever shut. It's a powerful church. God has his hand upon this place. We walked in the door, and we never turned around and came back. We're where, we are where we are supposed to be. My pastor down in Phoenix says, find a young pastor... It's easy for me. Everybody's younger, except for my friend Harry back there. And help them. Do whatever you can. Don't come on in with a title. Don't come on in with your know-it-all attitude. Don't come on in, I got all this experience. Just come on in and help them any way that you possibly can. And let God do the rest. And that's what exactly happened here in this place. Coming humbly, serving, no titles, no positions, just how can we help you? What can we do? And God has been favorable to us. He's pouring favor upon us in so many different ways. So that's how that happens. Now I've got to find out where I was. Oh, yeah. Talking about the, the changes. We've got heroic purposes, but we've got to be able to want to do it. Sometimes when we, when we taste change, all we sense is the bitterness of the events that compelled us into the change. Isn't that so very true? I say, don't miss your purpose because you can't get over the process. It's Satan's way of, of dis distracting us. You don't like the process. Oh, this hurts. I'm uncomfortable. This isn't right. Why are we here? Why did we do this? Why aren't things working out for us? Don't let that get in, in front of what your purpose is. In Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3 in the Message Bible, it says, Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by my name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you'll not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God. 
Hello. That's powerful. God's with you no matter what. He won't let you go down. He didn't let Carol and I go down. We went through some rough times. But look what the Lord has done. Psalm 37 verse, verse 3 says, Your job is to trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. When you can't understand what God is doing, when you can't understand God at all, trust him nevertheless. Trust him. Not by your mind, not by what you, what you think. Trust in God. Let it go to him. It doesn't mean you shrug responsibility and everything, but trust in God. Instead of trying to figure out what God is doing, simply, calmly, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, as it says in Proverbs 3, verse 5. So to reach the desired end, you have to, come, you have to overcome your mind, your reasoning, and just plain merely trust God. Do you get in the trust God part? Remember your passion will always drive your purpose. What's your passion for? It'll always drive your purpose, and you'll find your purpose where your passion is. And it's different for all of us. God designed it that way. We all can't do the same thing. We'd be one ginormous eye. Lots of us have it backwards when we want things, to, when God thinks to do for us. We've asked for divine provision before, before discovering God's divine purpose. We want him to provide a way. I hear it all the time. Well, I want God to open the door for me. I want God to provide the finances for my ministry before I even start in it. I want the assurance that maybe is telling me that God is for me. If he gives me all this money to go do this, if he sets me up with the right connections, if he gives me a speaking cycle, no, that's not the way you do it. Instead of wrestling spiritually for God's provision for your personal needs, we need to connect with God's purpose and then gain access to resources beyond our wildest imagination. And they will be beyond your wildest imagination. Pastor Jen is starting to experience it. Like Ruth, we know the story about Ruth. We will find our provision when we get in the right field. She went through a couple fields before she found Boaz's field. But boy, when she found the right field, she was in the right field her provision was there for her the rest of her life and her generations to come. When you're in your field, which is your designated mountain of influence, and you know your purpose, you will discover provisions are waiting for you. Let's get it right. Let's not put the cart before the horse. So let's turn the tables on the enemy. We're, we're going to be fought. We're being fought. We know the strongholds of the forever loser. We know his strongholds, and he's going to fight against us. He's fighting all the time. I want to talk about Queen Esther. After she defeated Haman, he had a plan. He was going to annihilate all the Jews. Mordecai, her uncle, told Queen Esther about this. She was Jewish. He said, you've got to go tell the king about this. She says, he might kill me. He says, well, you've got to try because we're all going to get killed. And if you don't try, we're done anyway. So she had to do it for her. In her heart, she had to do it for her. But Haman got found out, as you read the story. In fact, he was hung on the gallows that were made for Mordecai. But he wasn't finished. He wasn't done. Although Haman was, was dead, he was done. He was defeated. His work lived on. The letters of annihilation had been set out to the, sent out to the providences and were still valid and operative. These guys out 100 miles away don't know that Haman is done. They haven't got any other orders except to collect the Jews and annihilate them. And they were going on out doing it. And so it is with the devil. Christ defeated Satan. 
But however, the fight is not over because Satan's work, or the forever loser, work continue on earth in every mountain of societal influence. However, God has a plan to take back those mountains, and he is empowering us to fight and overcome the works of the forever loser. Let's go back to Esther for one moment. Esther came once again into the presence of the king and begged to have Haman's orders revoked. She could have got killed, but she had to go back again because those orders were still out there. She had to go ask the king, you got to stop these letters. My people are going to be annihilated, including me, because I'm a Jew. I'm in that. You know that you're in your purpose when God opens his checkbook. He opens it widest when your need is not about you, but about your purpose and people. You're not called to help through your position, like Esther was, or you are called to help through your position. The king replied to her, to all intents and purposes, I love this, I'll sign anything you write, darling. That's what God is saying to us. I'll do anything you want, my love. My children. Darling. John 16, verse 33. Jesus said, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. So you may wonder what? You may wonder why. Haven't we seen these kind of miracles that Ruth and Esther had? It's because we've not positioned ourselves in the mountains of influence and have not understood the divine purpose of God for ourselves and for the season of time. We're in a season of time. Some people call it the new era. We're in a season of time. I want to tell each and every one of you, you are here with a purpose. God chose you because he knows that you can handle what is coming ahead. He needs you. He wants you. He wants you engaged. He's not going to do it all, even though he can. But understand that we are, why are we here in 2021 in Hales Corners, Wisconsin, at Passion Church? Because God needs us here, right here. I get kind of mad about that. When we find our passions, capture our purpose, and seize our positions, we get God's permission to have everything that we need. You're located exactly where you're supposed to be right now. I want to get that across. And God is ready to turn the tables for your benefit. Do not despise the method of transportation God used to get you here to this place. You've been ordained to be here at this time. Do not live under the influence of anger and other negative emotions against those who hurt you during your journey to this moment. God has something very important for you to do for his kingdom in your mountain or mountains of influence. Right here. Right now. You're here with a purpose. God will move you on when he's ready. Fulfill your purpose that he has you here. You think back, of how, how did I get here? Why am, I, why am I sitting here right now? How did I get into this church? How did we get from Phoenix back to Milwaukee? God had needed us right here, right now. That's an honor. He thinks us worthy. He sees us worthy. So I'm going to ask you, what are you going to do with what you know now? What you learned tonight? What are you going to do with it? Go nod your head, shrug your shoulders, go on with life as usual. Some of us will. I don't know how many. Or will you begin the adventure for which God has created you for? And it is an adventure. The adventure that Carol and I have been on, the adventure that Clayton and Pastor Jen have been on, the adventure that Nick and Jeannie have been on, that's an adventure. adventure that you guys have been on. All of us have been on a venture as we're working for God, as we're seeking. It's an adventure. It is. I love a roller coaster. Man, this is the greatest roller coaster that I've ever been on in my whole life. It really, really is. Carol knows that. So I challenge you with these words. 
Three simple words. Dare to believe. Dare to believe that you have a purpose in the mountains of culture. Dare to believe that you can be an influence. You are called to be an influence. And ask God to shine his light on the next step towards your, your place in your mountain of influence. Again, right here, right now. We're almost wrapping it up. You have always known that you are on the earth for a reason and have probably wondered if what you have now is all there is to life. But now you know how to literally turn the world upside down like Paul and Silas did in Acts 17, verse 6. It literally says they were thrown in jail because they were turning this world upside down and they didn't, the, the world didn't know how to handle it, so they put them in jail. And you know the rest of that story. And recognize that God had placed a calling in your life to ascend to a place, ascend to a place of satisfaction, significance, prosperity, purpose, and yes, influence in the mountain of your culture. So I want to speak over you, speak over you prophetically right now. This is your moment. Enter into your destiny and take your mountain for God. This is it. After all that I taught you, this has been a lesson. I know it's been long. A lot of information. We need to make some decisions. This isn't an altar call by any means at all. But I want to ask anybody that wants to step into their mountain or mountains. We are all called to more than one. I'm sure we are. Family and whatever. If you want to advance into that, I'd like you to come forward and we will activate you into that mountain or mountains and watch and see what the Lord will do. So come forward if you want. We'll activate you tonight. Don't be shy. God has something for you. The answers are here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know how many are coming up. Come on up if you want. It's not going to be long. It's going to be very quick. Very to the point. It's just literally going to activate you into your mountain of, of culture. I'm just going to start. And you guys can line up down there. What are the mountains that you, you're looking into? Um, church and business. Okay. Mostly church. <laughs> That business can go somewhere else. Huh? <laughs> you need it, yeah. yeah. Both of you guys, honey, you want to come with me? I activate you this evening, both of you, into the mountain of family, yes, into the mountain of church, yeah. and into the mountain of business. In Jesus' mighty name, yes. you're activated. What's your mountains? Believers evangelizing something to do with children. Family. Church. Church. And yeah, I got a special heart for children. So I can't evangelize, and I've been told. <laughs>